Sunday Dispatch. You're listening to the Sunday Dispatch on FBI Radio 94.5. My name's Lindsay Riley. Each episode, we take a closer look at news stories from around the world and at home, their social and political complexities, and often examine the way that they're covered in mainstream media. This week, we're chatting to journalist Alex Salmon, who wrote a story for The New Republic about IKEA and their part in the logging industry in Romania. Romania is home to 70% of all of the old growth forests in Europe. In 2018, 39 million cubic meters of wood exited Romania's forests. This is only about half the amount that had been licensed by the Romanian government. Chillingly, extreme violence has also broken out between illegal loggers and environmental activists in the forests of Romania, something Alex investigated in his piece. He's with us now. Alex, thank you for joining us on the Sunday Dispatch. Hey, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really recommend everyone checking out Alex's story. It's a really fantastic and a wild ride, but also a really shocking description of the violence going on in the forests of Romania. I'm wondering, Alex, how did you get entangled in this story? Yeah, I, I, it's a story I came to actually um, not knowing a ton about. I, I was reading the the BBC at the end of 2019 and uh, saw a story about uh, a forest ranger who'd been uh, murdered in Romania and I heard that it was the second, uh, the second forest ranger to be murdered there in, in like a six week span. So that seemed pretty shocking to me that you know that kind of violence in a uh, EU member state is not something you'd expect. So started looking into it from there and um, found out you know from that point forward that that this sort of thing has actually become very common. That there have been I think six registered murders of uh, rangers or environmentalists in the last couple of years and and another six hundred fifty attacks that have you know been you know violent to the degree of, of attempted murder so it's something that's quite common it's, it's been very dangerous out there for quite a while and um yeah kind of the, the the nature of doing some of that reporting was getting involved in that a little bit as well the role of these organized thugs or muscle is something that immediately sort of jumps out in the piece you detail in your story a particularly harrowing near-death experience of a few romanian documentary filmmakers who were beaten unconscious had their car tires slashed and equipment damaged. And it wasn't just an isolated incident as well. As you said, before people had been killed investigating this, I'm wondering if you were able to uncover where did this organized violence spring from? Is it some sort of European far-right resurgence, organized muscle? Where did the violence spring from? Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I think it has a lot of, uh, a lot of sources. I, I think that there's been some reporting on on the sort of mob ties. People refer to this as the Wood Mafia. So there there are some sort of you know connections that organized crime. I think you know the nature of any sort of trade where you know illegality predominates uh, is that usually violence is not far behind, and um, you know any attempt to sort of rein this uh, industry in has has resulted, of course, in pushback, and that pushback is sometimes sometimes very violent and sometimes deadly, and so. Um, it can be all sorts. It, it can come from all sorts of places. In, in the the instance that I m- mentioned in the piece and that you just referenced there, um, I think it was the it was the forest engineer and a handful of loggers who uh, attacked uh, the environmentalists and the two documentary filmmakers. Um, but I think I think this stuff is so commonplace actually that that you know it can come from just about anywhere. 
Something I find really interesting about your story, Alex, is how it's a snapshot of one specific problem in one country, Romania, but it also tells the story of the way the world economy has shifted and now operates in this post-90s neoliberal era, particularly with Romania's exit from the Soviet Union and its integration into the market-based order of the European Union, this real sort of hyper-exploitation that has taken place and also subsequent environmental destruction alongside it, it kind of acts as a parable for what's happened across the whole European continent, but maybe even the whole world in the last 20 to 30 years. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting sort of historical political gloss uh, because, right, uh, when, when Romania was a communist state, it was pretty closed off to the rest of the world and um, obviously wasn't a site of the global logging industry. And um, when in 1989 that that ends, uh, Romania has opened up a little bit more to the global sector, and then it joins the EU in 2007, and that's when it really becomes part of the global market. And so, um, from that point forward, actually, there there's a pretty pretty obvious and 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 striking correlation there. Uh, Romania goes into the EU in 2007, and at this point, you know, it it even currently has you know between like half and two thirds of the old growth forest left in Europe is, is in Romania. Um, but from the moment it enters the EU, something like half of that forest land has has disappeared, and just in the 15 years since then. So, it's it's one of these things where joining joining the EU really made the, those forests part of the global market and part of you know the uh, that that sort of neoliberal management regime, as as you mentioned, um, you know puts that on 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 the table for giant multinational corporations, and then they start start to start getting to work logging and and. And, you know, those forests disappear quite quickly. Mm, absolutely. Talking about large corporations as we have been, IKEA is central to this story and we haven't really mentioned them yet. Alex, what led you to discover IKEA's role in Romania's illegal logging practice? Yeah, it's it's funny because it's uh, I kind of came to it twofold. There's, they have, IKEA plays two separate roles in the story and they're, they're both really important. Um, one of which is, you know, as as... IKEA is, is is commonly known as the largest individual wood consumer on the planet. That the company uh, is responsible for something like one percent of global wood production or consumption every year. Um, and and IKEA has um, relationships with with uh, manufacturers in Romania of of all sorts. So a lot of the um, the pieces that go into these you know flat pack furniture uh, assembly packages that you buy at the store are you know they're manufactured by uh, contractors in Romania, um, and those contractors buy wood from the Romanian wood market, and you know it's on a long line from uh, this this rampant illegal logging to the to the the wood that they're buying from the Romanian markets and putting into these chairs, and then selling to IKEA to to brand and package and, and ship and eventually to sell. Um, so that's one important role, and and that's a, a, a very important part of it. the The other side of it that I think is also kind of interesting is that um, IKEA also happens to be a giant landowner itself of forest land and in Romania in particular they uh, are the largest private landowner um, in the country and so they own something like 50,000 hectares of forest so um, they're actually involved on both ends of the supply chain there and, and they so they own forest land in massive holdings and they also you know contract with suppliers and manufacturers um, in Romania, who you know, as as we've been able to see repeatedly, are are beneficiaries of uh, illegal logging. 
Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Not only are these multinational companies profiting from, you know, the cheap, illegal, raw material flows, but also how central land ownership was to their meteoric rise. And it's interesting how IKEA is the largest landowner in Romania. One of my favorite small details in your story, Alex, was that IKEA bought its Romanian land from Harvard University. How did Harvard end up as a massive landowner in Romania? Right. So after the fall of communism, there's this attempt to um, kind of reprivatize uh, holdings in Romania. And the way they go about it is, is this land restitution program that was obviously addled with corruption. And, and so the people who are submitting claims to, to possession of these Romanian forests are people oftentimes don't even live in Romania. They may not have ever lived in Romania. They, you know, if you can get a, a lawyer uh, who can make a case for you, um, there were, there, I heard stories of, you know, grandmas and nursing homes in Hungary who, who had no involvement whatsoever, ending up with, you know, a thousand hectares of forest land because they paid the right lawyer to go and do it. Um, and so obviously there's this frenzy, uh, and, and people who get, it, you know, this is common actually in a lot of post-Soviet states, but people who end up getting this forest land are looking to sell it quickly. They're not trying to sit on it. So they, they're looking to sell, and, and Harvard University's uh, endowment, which is obviously a massive institutional investment fund, uh, gets tipped off. This is a great, you know, great investing opportunity to buy land on the cheap, uh, and and they end up gobbling up a ton of this uh, of this forest land. And, and in a number of uh, years, they they become actually the largest private landowner in Romania, I think, other than the church, and um, and they they have those holdings for a number of years. Obviously, they they come to come to own them in a pretty dubious manner. And the, the businessman who facilitates the deals for Harvard ends up um, getting a three-year suspended sentence. So, you know, his 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 involvement was was deemed criminal and and the pending, I think, litigation over those holdings leads Harvard to eventually decide to sell. And then, you know, they end up selling to IKEA. IKEA takes that those holdings off their hands and 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 buys even more in the intervening years. And that's how they become this titan of uh, of forestry in Romania. Another key plank in IKEA's status as a premier multinational corporation is its self-proclaimed environmental record. IKEA claims that more than 98% of its timber is sustainably harvested, and it intends to reach 100% soon. But this seems murky, doesn't it? Particularly given how, as we mentioned, around half of logged wood in Romania is illegally logged, and IKEA is receiving a large amount of that wood. So is IKEA as sustainable as it claims? I, IKEA has has a has a very strong reputation for being sustainable and its sort of environmental practices, and it relies pretty heavily on um, Forest Stewardship Council, the FSC uh, certification, uh, to, to kind of confer that standard of sustainability. And if you actually look into how the FSC operates, uh, you get a sense that they aren't really ultimately capable of even enforcing these standards. And so um, it's just, it's a small international NGO and, and they have affiliates who can confer uh, the FSC stamp. Um, and the way that they do that is, is a logging operation or a furniture manufacturer will uh, pay one of those affiliates to come to their uh, operation and investigate, you know, take a look around and then give them the stamp. And if, you know, if, if, if one of those affiliates refuses to give them the stamp, the, the logging operation can just shop around to another affiliate and another affiliate until finally they find someone who will take their check and, and give them 
the uh, the approval. And obviously, these are pre-scheduled interviews. You know, it's they don't they don't surprise you. It's 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 something that's said in the future, and it's very very easy to get around uh, these standards. And and you know, it would take a lot of bandwidth and a lot of enforcement power to to really to have a, a meaningful standard there. And um, you know, when you look closely at it. Um, a number of these these companies who who contract with IKEA are FSC certified, and yet the, there are stories of them receiving illegally logged wood all over the place, and um, and and it's sometimes even worse than that. And, and so it's finally not a very meaningful standard. I mean, IKEA actually helped create the FSC in the first place thirty years ago, and um, it's you know it's a big part of of their their sustainability messaging, but when it comes to actually establishing sustainable practices, they just are, don't have the firepower to do it, really. Yeah, that's hilarious that IKEA helped create the same accreditation system that's supposed to keep them in check. Yeah, it seems that these environmental or ethical accreditation bodies, you know, like the FSC, the one that you mentioned, can essentially help launder the reputation of a lot of these companies. Even if they're maybe well-meaning people within these organizations, you know, they really just seem to act as another important arm of this behemoth transnational system. Or am I being too cynical? I, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think you are. I, 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 I think that, um, you know, there, there have been people who are, who are more expert on this than, than I am who, who have made those sorts of criticisms. And um, Greenpeace in 2017 referred to the FSC as a tool of, of timber extraction. So there's been some, some really strong criticism of uh, these organizations and, and there may be some well-intentioned people, but the, the, de- the degree of that criticism has been so robust that I think that it's, it's pretty well known in certain circles that these, these standards basically exist to, to, to make things look, you know, look better, to make things look more legitimate um, for, for the industry and, um, and not really to, you know, uh, to, to do the best sort of sustainable work that they could possibly do even with limited resources. Yeah, absolutely. To finish up today, Alex, this piece, along with being a great story in itself, does a great job putting into perspective how economic development has gone hand in hand with environmental destruction in the last 30 years or so, you know, and all the intertwining factors that go along with it. And, you know, we're often told purchase sustainably, you know, in the consumer market, change things with our dollar, but particularly in this case, it seems to have little effect, you know, with wood by its nature being especially hard to track through supply chains, makes it even easier for these illegally logged, this illegally logged wood to be laundered as legally logged wood. But we like to sort of leave with some sort of agency here on the show. So, you know, what can we do? Yeah, I, I think it's a good question. Um, I would say that, that, you know, one of the one of the things that I've kind of like come away thinking myself after after re- reporting and writing this piece is um, that that with this low cost stuff, and I think this is true of you know, fast furniture, of fast fashion, of a lot of these you know very low cost um, consumer goods. Uh, there's a reason that they they cost so little, and and oftentimes that you know just means that someone down the line is paying the price in in some other way. And so in this instance, you know, to get this super cheap disposable furniture uh, the, the cost of that is is you know the, the uh some of the some of the last old growth forests in in eastern europe and and so i i think if nothing else um it's i i i think that maybe maybe the best thing as a consumer to 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 take away from this is that you know if you can 
if you can buy things that, that are going to last, if you can get secondhand things, if you can use stuff that actually has a has a long shelf life, it may be better for the the you know better for the earth, better for people than to get these this super cheap stuff that you're only going to have for a couple of months and then th- throw it away because it, it's so cheap that you can afford to. Um, and uh, you know, outside of that, it's really hard to hard to know. But I think that maybe is a good sort of jumping off point. Mm, that's a great answer. We've been chatting to Alex Salmon about his piece in the New Republic, IKEA's race for the last of Europe's old growth forests. Definitely recommend reading the piece in full. I'll put a link up on the program's page. Thank you again, Alex, for joining us this morning on the Sunday Dispatch. Thanks so much. So pale.